Welcome back to the Deep Six Wrestling Podcast. It's Wednesday, December 30th. It's the day before New Year's Eve. And this is the first time that we've put out a podcast in... Since before Christmas, we were supposed to put out our uh, our, our year-end podcast, but I ended up delaying it uh, for two reasons. Uh, one, I was having issues with Skype uh, and exporting it. And two, uh, obviously... Um, well, not obviously, because you guys don't know when we were recording this, but while we were recording the uh, the year-end podcast, about halfway through, uh, the news broke that Brody Lee had passed away. And uh, yeah, so there was a, like a, a 10-minute portion on the podcast where it was just us kind of reacting to it and just, uh, it's very raw. Um, and it felt kind of weird to put out like a, a two-hour podcast of us talking about uh, like, a, like a fun podcast talking about like the best and worst moments in wrestling this year uh, while also dealing with uh, the death of Brody Lee. So I uh, decided to delay that until after we did this episode, because this is obviously going to be the tribute show where we're covering AEW's tribute to Brody Lee, the celebration of life of Mr. Brody Lee. So push that back till after this episode so we could at least comment directly on the whole situation. Just felt like it made more sense that way. Uh, so that's the situation with that. But uh, if you're joining us. This is our typical AEW podcast, which is every Wednesday night, and we're going to be talking about the show. Uh, so in case you're new here, I'm Pat. And I'm Joey. And so, yeah, um, this happened on Saturday. Um, over the weekend, We uh, everybody found out that Brody Lee had passed away. Uh, pretty much came out of nowhere. I mean, there are obviously questions about, like, um, about Brody for past couple weeks, I guess, since he had been gone since the dog collar match, which was a couple months ago. Right. And Back in nobody had heard anything uh, besides that he was apparently dealing with some sort of injury. Um, and and then, yeah, uh, kind of just came out. AEW put out a statement, his wife put out a statement, and then wrestlers from every single company, pretty much like um, literally every single company, or every single major company, like AEW, Impact, WWE, New Japan, mm-hmm. um, all put out statements. Um, and yeah, it just, it, it hit the wrestling world, like, out again, out of nowhere. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've, I'm pretty sure, like, as far as I'm aware, the last time, like, an active member of a roster passed away like this was Benoit, probably. It was Benoit, and then before that, it was Eddie. Eddie, yeah. Um. So yeah, this guy again it just came out of nowhere, and it, it's pretty unreal seeing like how joint the wrestling community, which is notorious for being like split, came together on this. Whether yeah. you're a WWE fan or whatever, everybody just had great things to say about Brody. Um, and it was kind of surreal seeing like Stephanie McMahon put out a tweet saying, um, like hashtag RIP Brody Lee. Uh, in a good way, obviously. Um, yeah. And then WWE did their, they put out a, like a, a short little article about Brody's passing. And then this Monday they did their tribute, um, which was just a picture at the start of the show. And then throughout the night, there was wrestlers um, doing different things for him. You had commentary doing it's Monday night. You know what this means. Um, you had Drew McIntyre doing the yeah, yeah, yeah. Um uh, Xavier Woods hit the uh, discus lariat, so there was a bunch of stuff on Raw, um, and then Impact dedicated uh, their show this week to Brody Lee, so that was cool. Again, for a guy who was never in their company. yeah, that's that's incredible. So that's really good. And then we um, 
we got the announcement about this show being this was this uh, this week's AEW show was supposed to be New Year's Smash Night One, obviously the two week event, and um, yeah, I think it was pretty clear that that wasn't going to be the case. Um, and so Tony Khan took to Twitter to announce the changes, and that it was basically New Year's Smash was getting pushed back a week, and that this week was going to be the tribute show to Brody Lee. Um, then pretty every single match featured members of the Dark Order. Um, and and the main event was the Brody Lee Jr. Six man dream match, which uh, was pretty cool to see them. Just it, it, it's still just like weird to see Dark Order. Um, like they had already been shifting towards babyface with BTE, but like to yeah. officially like just see it. But it, I mean, seeing the show, it went well. Yeah, um, it's crazy. Transition. Yeah, it was crazy to well see them was... take over an entire episode. Yeah, literally, this is the Dark Over uh, Dark Order takeover episode, and they mm-hmm. spoiler uh, alert: they went five and zero. Oh. They won every single match. They so. did. Um, but yeah, so the show started with the uh, the entire roster on the stage as they did a, a ten bell salute for Brody um, and uh, oh Jim Ross as as it came on said it's Wednesday night and you know what that means so again no um you know it, it was a nice tribute for commentary to start the show like that um, and joining the roster on the stage was Tony Khan and uh, Brody's wife and two kids. Um, and Brody Jr., now known as Negative One of the Dark Order, mm-hmm. is wearing a Dark Order mask, and he had a kendo stick in his hand. And honestly, I did not expect this kendo stick to play a role. I thought he was just holding a kendo stick. Yeah. But the kendo stick did play a role in the show. Honestly, so, but, I thought he was, like, dressed up as Evil Uno, to be honest. Yeah, he looked like a, a cosplay of Evil Uno, basically. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, so, very cute stuff. It um, was cute, yeah. The mask was then, clearly way too big for his head. No, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> but um, yeah, and yeah, uh, again, it was uh, it was an emotional start to the show. As the bell rang, you could see as the camera cut to different people. Some people were just like totally breaking down on the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, and the, the first person we got a um, like a, a video from was John Moxley, who was supposed to make his return on this show when it was New Year's Smash, but it's right. been pushed back a week. But we got to hear from him. Um, about his uh his experience with um Brody, and obviously they've been uh, they were in WWE pretty much the entire time together. Um, so and now obviously in AEW together, so they spent quite a while together. Yeah, over a decade. Um, yeah, and basically he was just talking about his friendship with him, and then talking about how Brody was a family man, and how Moxley always said he didn't want kids and didn't want to be tied down. And now he mm-hmm. is having a kid um, and he feels Brody's influence. And so uh, these video messages throughout the night were all really good. Um, the people they chose for them, I thought. I and agree. yeah, Moxley's was a strong start. And the first match we got was uh, Matt Hardy and private party, uh, Hardy party, I should say, versus the young bucks and Colt Cabana um, and Colt Cabana came out and this man looked like he had just been bawling his eyes out. His whole face was just red. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but yeah, um, so honestly, I can say now all of the matches on tonight's show were really good. Obviously, oh, I agree. Obviously you could say that like, oh, it's just like, you're looking through like rose tinted glasses, but no, I thought all the matches actually really delivered. Yeah. Um, and this was a hell of an opening match. It was like really fast paced. Um, everybody got to do stuff. This was the best Cabana had looked in like months. Yeah, um, yeah, no, truly. Like I've never. I, I feel like I haven't seen enough of Cole Cabana, but like I feel like after tonight, I've seen a lot of him, and yeah, he's he's really good. 
Yeah, no, Cole Cabana's fantastic when they actually let him wrestle. Um, he's great as a comedy guy, but he also can just actually straight up wrestle. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I get lots of fast paced stuff here. Um, at one point, it looked like Private Party was going to actually steal the win here with um, Matt Hardy when they <laughs> yeah took control and just uh, they hit a gin and juice and it, it looked like it was over, but it wasn't. Um, so I, I out of the matches, didn't I he also give him a twist of fate too after that? Yeah, there was a twist yeah, of fate. As well. I thought they were just going to make him like one of the what? Which buck was it? Was it Nick or? I don't remember which one. Okay, it was. well, I thought they were just trying to make him look super strong because <laughs> they like did so many finishers on him. I was like, "What is this?" Yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but um, you know, it was a, uh, it was cool, and um, yeah, they were the before the match. They showed clips of Private Party getting the upset went over the Young Bucks last October um, during the beginning of AEW, yes. and so I mean. I didn't really think they had a shot at winning here, but like they could, they could have been telling the story that they won again and we're going to get a title shot now. Um, but that was not the direction we went here, so uh, it's it's fine. Um, I want, uh, towards the end of the match, Cole is like up on the top turnbuckle, and I think it was Isaiah Casty who came um, to get at him. They were going to go for gin and juice, but um, that got. Uh, countered and Colt hit him with the Chicago skyline and then Mark Quinn um, ate a indie taker from the Bucks mm-hmm. and Cabana sprinted him from the corner and hit his Superman pin and pinned Mark Quinn. Yeah, that was a that was a great final sequence. Like was, yeah, that was yeah, that was perfect. Absolutely. Um, and I gotta say, this has I feel like this has to be Colt Cabana's first win since like the initial storyline with him and Brody. Oh, it's got to be. And I, I can't, I can't remember also... the last time Colt Cabana got like an actual win that wasn't like on dark. Yeah. I also think this is the first time he's fully embraced the dark water. It was commentary noted. Um, post-match he, as soon as he won, he instantly threw up the dark order hand, mm-hmm. um, which again is the first time that he's ever done it. So, um, that's cool. Cause anytime that like they've like done it, he's always come out like waving, um, instead of doing the hand. Right. So, and then post match, the acclaims music hit, and I was like, "Oh boy, what are they doing?" And um, Max Caster, uh, the rapper, um, it comes out and says that he's got something to say about the uh, all the Dark Order stuff. And uh, before he can say anything, SCU come out mm-hmm. and um, they they throw him into the ring. They eat super kicks from the Young Bucks, and then Cole hits him with a double elbow. And yeah, so the acclaimed made it on the show. So there you go. I just want to know what was Max Caster going to say? Was he like really upset that they were honoring Brody Lee? I I mean, I I probably wasn't going to say anything to be real. I think that was just always meant to be the plan. No, absolutely. But I still just want to know, like in character, what would this man have said? Oh, I don't know. He just probably would have said something heel. Yeah, basically. But um, yeah, so solid start to the show. I really enjoyed this opening match. Um, yeah, uh, I'm interested to see if they're ever going to actually turn Private Party heel. Because at one point in the match, Matt Hardy did have a chair and was asking Mark Quinn to let him do a chair shot. Mm-hmm. And Mark kind of just like was like resisting and then it took too much time. So I'm interested in if they're ever going to turn Private Party like full heels with Matt. I can um, definitely see it. Um, if you, Yeah, if you don't want to like split them guys up. Uh, I feel like that would be your best bet. And honestly, yeah. that's that's fine. Honestly, maybe it might be a time you know f- for a change for a private party. You know, 
Yeah, I mean, with Dark Order going face, you can kind of you can turn somebody else heel if you want. So. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, after this, we got our next uh, video, and it was from Darby Allen talking about how he had never met Brody until his debut, and that once he met him, he told Sammy Guevara that that's the one guy he wants to wrestle. It's his new number one. Um, and unfortunately, that didn't get to happen. Um, so that's cool. I would have loved to see a Darby Allen, Luke, uh, Luke Harper, uh, Brody Lee match. Um, I feel like they would have had a really interesting clash of styles with uh, the old David and Goliath thing, big man, um, yeah, Brody Lee, and small boy. Darby Allen, the small boy, Darby. He's such a small boy. Um, no, but, I agree, yeah. though. That match would have been crazy. Agreed. Uh, after this, we have the Butcher and the Blade with, uh, sorry, the Butcher, Blade, Eddie Kingston versus Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, and Lance Archer. Um, and Eddie Kingston comes out and um, to lead his team and says that uh, he loves Brody Lee and he misses him. This is for him, but the Dark Order is nothing without him, and they're going to prove it tonight. Um, and mm-hmm. so there's uh, there's Eddie Kingston being a heel. And then we get the entrances for Stu and Uno, and then Lance Archer comes out, and he's dressed up in the um, the Lance, uh, not the Lance, sorry, the Luke Harper outfit from WWE with the wife beater, the blue jeans, and the um, the handkerchief in his back pocket, which I thought was a really cool um, tribute. Yeah, I agree, especially since that was his like WWE uh, gimmick. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that at the end of this um, when they did the tribute video at the end. Um, oh yes, they showed. Numerous WWE yeah, lots guys, of, current yeah. WWE guys. Yeah, I'm assuming they got permission from all of them to uh, to use that. Would be my assumption. Um, so uh, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, really good. Match. Again, another really solid six man match. Um, I mean, I, I, the, it wasn't really about the wrestling on this show tonight. No, it wasn't. Um, but but I, I think it was an added bonus that it was it was just so good that. You know, this was like a perfect tribute to Brody, not just like, you know, through the tribute, but like also through the wrestling. Yeah, agreed. And again, as commentary consistently pointed out throughout the night, um, again, without Brody Lee, Dark Order probably wouldn't be where they are right now. Um, they were kind of just doing nothing and were one of yeah. the weaker parts of AEW. And then Brody showed up as the exalted one, instantly gave them a bit of credibility as like this new badass. But then on BTE, like you had a whole new character development for the entire group. Um, yeah. And then he brought in Anna Jay, Preston, and Alan Angels um, as five. And so, yeah, I mean, the group entirely changed. Their dynamic changed. They started doing more comedy mixed in with, like, the seriousness. Oh, and Cole Cabana as well, sorry. Um, but, yeah, you can uh, completely changed the tra- uh, trajectory of the group. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, it felt fitting that they were all over this show. Yeah. And that they all got to get wins. Yeah, and I got I gotta say, and and I'm not I don't I'm I'm not comparing tribute shows, but because I think you know, in general, I hate them because you know obviously you don't want to even be doing this because you know obviously you know you don't want to see Brody Lee you know lose his life or like any wrestler, so like they they do suck, but at the same time, I think this was probably the best tribute show I've seen, and you know. I just thought this was perfectly handled by AEW and Tony Khan. And I thought this was a very good, you know, very good, like, you know, remembrance, like thing for Brody and, and his family, honestly. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, yeah, again, I didn't start watching wrestling until 2014, so I didn't see the Benoit one or yeah, Eddie this was my third. Anything. Yeah, because so. I remember, yeah, I remember watching uh, the Eddie and Benoit one very vividly. Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, I, I agree. They, they really knocked it out of the park here. Um, the matches were all really fun, and mm-hmm. you can see the emotions on everybody's faces, like again, Cabana, and then in the uh, uh, with Silver and Hangman specifically during their match. Um, yeah, and yeah, yeah, it was, a, yeah, it was a perfect way to you know tribute him while also staying in storyline. Yeah, for, for and, the most part. So yeah, I for, for was, the most part, yeah. outside of like the main event. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, it was just um, they they found a, a good balance of like wrestling um, and doing like wrestling things, like mm-hmm. the the acclaimed coming out, and then like the MJF thing, which I think yeah. a lot of people were skeptical of when it first happened but then seeing right. the payoff with uh with Brody right. Jr. Yeah, um, but you got, and then I, I think you got to like look at it like this. Um it is wrestling still and I'm pretty sure that Brody Lee wouldn't want it any other way. Like he would want them to follow you know the script and follow the wrestling like mechanics. You know what I mean? you know you know what I mean? Like Yeah, no, absolutely. He would definitely want them to, you know, keep it going, you know. Yeah, agreed. Um um, we'll we'll talk about more that more uh, that more when we get to it. Um, the big thing for me here was uh, Uno and Grayson. I thought really worked well as a like a, a face tag team. Um, yeah, they have a lot absolutely. of really flashy offense, and when they're working as good guys, I feel like it works um, actually pretty pretty well. So oh, they're great. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that this does officially lead to Dark Order going face or more like more yeah. face. Um, obviously, again, Silver and Reynolds are basically full on baby face at this point, but still, and they have one of the best. Uh tag finishers i think oh uh uno and grayson oh yeah the fatality yeah yeah it's real, real good um yeah i i agree um uh yeah um they so yeah they won with the fatality obviously as you know joey uh was saying that he loves their finish mm-hmm. um and after the match we uh <laughs> we get the moment of the year when Jake Roberts gets physical. Oh, God, yes. I don't know how old Jake Roberts... Hold on, let me just look up how old Jake Roberts is. Joey, what's your guess on how old Jake the Snake is? I'd say he's pushing 70. Pushing 70. You would be correct. He's 65 years old. Okay. Um. So, uh, yeah, but we got to see Jake the Snake so deliver yeah. a clothesline. He's at the official uh, retirement age. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got to see him deliver a an actual clothesline to Eddie Kingston. Yeah, uh, what a what a what a what a time to be alive. <laughs> Which is crazy to see, and I think it's just on par for for who Jake the Snake is. Because a few weeks back, he was dealing with some health issues. Um, the oh, yeah, that he stated um, that, yeah. yeah, and then he just back doing clotheslines. Yeah, um, that's, uh, that's cool it's cool like, to see. Yeah. Insane. Um, after this, we had a uh, another video tribute for Brody Lee. This was a, with a, a couple people. We had Dax Hardwood, uh, Harwood of the um, FTR. Um, again, somebody who had worked with Brody for a number of years. Yes. Um, Arn Anderson. Uh, we had Cole Cabana, and then we had Bryce Remsburg, who uh, was just absolutely bawling his eyes out during this thing. Yeah, didn't realize how close they were. Yeah, um, and he uh, he made the comment that he would put uh, Brody Lee on his Mount Rushmore of wrestling dads. Mm-hmm. So, uh, nice little thing there. 
Um, and yeah, again, these video tributes were all really good. After this, we had the Inner Circle, which was uh, represented by MJF, Ortiz, and Santana, accompanied by Sammy Guevara, Jake Hager, and Wardlow, uh, versus the Good, the Bad, and the Hungy, Alex, Re- <laughs> Alex Reynolds, John Silver, and Hangman Page. Uh, the big news here was when the Inner Circle came out, you had Proud and Powerful, Santana, oh, and Ortiz uh, sporting their normal gear, and then... MJF with his scarf now has a bandana um, and came out in new trunks with the Puerto Rican flag mm-hmm. on his ass because he's wrestling with, his, as Chris Jericho put, his uh, his Puerto Rican hermanos. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's you love to see it. Uh, oh, boy. Yes. MJF and his goddamn cultural appropriation. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's better than blackface. That, that's just, that's just true. Remember. <laughs> Um, and again, he is a bad guy. This isn't like offensive or anything. So, yeah. Um, and yeah, Silver, Reynolds, and Page come out. Page came out and immediately looked like he was going to start crying. And then Silver and Reynolds came out. And uh, Alex Reynolds now has a coat. Uh, that's new. And then Silver came out in his coat and he had the uh, the mini Brody Lee. Um, yeah, he had Brody's gear. Yeah. He had the mini Brody Lee costume that he had tweeted out saying that Brody bought for him for a bit on BT that they never got to film, um, which I'm, I'm glad he got to use it on a TV show, though. Yeah, um, he said it was over $1,000, too. Yeah. Uh, despite Jim Ross on co- Jim Ross goddamn and, coat. <laughs> Jim Ross and Chris Jericho on commentary. Throughout the match, continually said that John Silver looked like a farmer um, because they said it looked like he was wearing overalls. And Bro, I, I don't know. Jim Ross I, could not get past that for some reason. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea. <laughs> He's, he, he really wants to win uh, El Boomer of the Year next year, too. Yeah, he's, he's trying to close out the year strong so he can get a fresh... He's gearing up for next year, yeah. <laughs> Oh well, boy! Next week we'll officially be able to start counting. Yeah, that is true. Next week we will. We gotta, we gotta do better. We gotta count Boomer the week every week. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, like, we'll have a full year this time. That's true. I'm like, I'm pretty sure we started the what the L Boomer was probably like sometime in the summer. Late the summer, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, this was this was probably the match I was looking forward to the most because we had to see more of the uh, the good, the bad, and the hungry. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Big fan of them. I think they really work well together. Um. All three of them just have a really fun style. John Silver and Paige specifically, and then again, Alex Reynolds is really good too. Um. But uh, oh, also worth noting that uh, Hangman Page had a purple handkerchief in his uh, back pocket. So a nice little tribute there. Yep. Um, John Silver went absolutely off in this match. <laughs> this man was wrestling. I love it. His life depended on it. Um, he hit one of the craziest destroyers I've ever seen. Like, I don't even know how to describe this thing. Um. It was like he went for like a monkey flip and then it looked like MJF was reversing it, but then he came through and had his like knees up around MJF's head and just spiked him down for a destroyer. It was like his ankles. He like used his like ankles. Yeah, it was nuts looking. <laughs> it was insane. Um I mean it could have ended really badly, and I think uh uh John Silver really saved that 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 spot. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um we also had uh, I, I'm a big fan of this move from Lance Archer, where he basically just like sprints at people and hits a cross body. Like he's such oh, a yeah, huge he throws dude. his body on you. Yeah. yeah, it's insane. Um, and then 
Uh, later in the match, MJF goes out to ringside and gets in Brody Lee Jr.'s face. Um, and he uh, he flips him the bird, and uh, then he starts yelling at him, and then he rips off Brody Lee Jr.'s mask and starts spitting on it. Uh-huh. Just what, what a heel, man. What uh super heel, yeah. What a heel. Uh, and so... Uh, that that's that for a little bit, and eventually they get back in the ring, and um, so we got the then we got the the, the destroyer on MJF. MJF eventually hits a um, a heat seeker, um, and uh, then Ortiz and Santana hit something. They had like a combo move, and I don't remember what it was, but Reynolds broke it up, and then Wardlow gets in the ring randomly while Aubrey's distracted, and who comes out to even the odds? But Eric Rowan, um, Jim Ross on commentary kept calling him yeah. Eric Redbeard, while Chris Jericho kept shouting Eric Rowan. Yeah, I don't know if he's allowed to say that. But I don't think WWE's going to get on their case for this with the whole circumstance. Yeah, no, but if this was a regular show, then yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, Jericho just doesn't give a fuck, I guess. Um, but I think it's interesting that um, that Jim Ross is referring to him as Eric Redbeard. Um, like the fact that mm. they're like specifically calling him something, it's going to be interesting to see if he sticks. We'll, we'll talk about it anyway. Um, yeah, Rowan comes out, Redbeard comes out, and hits uh, Wardlow with the with like a, a choke slam or something. Um, mm-hmm. And then they brawl out of the ring, um, and that takes out Wardlow. And then we have John Silver and Alex Reynolds double teaming Ortiz and uh, Hangman Page hits the buckshot lariat and then Silver's going for the pin and last second MJF puts Ortiz's foot on the rope and he, as he's laughing he turns around and walks right into a cane shot from Brody Lee Jr. who had this goddamn kendo stick with him since the beginning of the show. Love it. Nice, nice, nice. You love to see it. And I think a lot of people I had seen people like complaining about the um the MGF spot with him getting in Brody Lee Jr.'s face, but then you saw the reaction here. The crowd went wild. Brody Lee had just like Brody Lee Jr. had such like a big smile on his face, like he was a part of the show. Right. Um and so I, I think this was worth it. Um I think it, it, again, it's just perfect. a moment for this kid who's going through a horrible time right now to Oh, absolutely. Just be part of this wrestling show and have fun. So, I agree. Uh, yeah, I think I think it was worth it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, back in the ring. Sorry, John Silver uh, hits um, Ortiz with the discus lariat tribute to Brody and picks up the win. So, yeah, this was absolutely. I think yeah, this was definitely perfect, especially for John. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. What, damn. I wouldn't be surprised if Silver starts using this as his finish from now on. That'd be cool. They looks really good. Yeah. Um, he delivered very well. I don't know if this is Silver's first win on Dynamite. This is the first time he's gotten a pin on Dynamite, I think. I think you might be right. Um, I, I can't imagine him pinning anybody on Dynamite before, but he might have been in, like, Dark Order tag matches where they won. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it was really cool to see John Silver pick up the win here. And um, after the match, Eric Grom comes back down to the ring. And him, Silver, and Reynolds and Hangman all embrace, and he has a sign with him, and he holds it up, and it says, goodbye for now, my brother, see you down the road. And Silver and um, Eric Rowan are just absolutely just in tears, Um, so really emotional stuff, and I thought it was really cool to see, and 
if Eric Rowan is not sticking around with this company and they just brought him in for this one time so he could have like an appearance to say goodbye to Harper. Um, yeah, which makes yeah, which would make also make sense because again, Eric Rowan and Luke Harper in WWE were a team for literally yeah. like an eternity, and anytime they broke up, they eventually got back together. Like they were right. cursed to always be together. Um, and so I thought it was really cool of them to be able to bring him back for this. Um, so even if he's not sticking around, which again, we all, we've voiced our opinions on Eric Rowan in the past where none of us besides Ryan are too high on him. But now that it, again, now that, um, dark order is down Brody Lee, uh, who was their big man, if they wanted to bring Rowan in, at least for like, even if it's just like a short run where he's with dark order for a bit, um, I'd be fine with it. I, I wouldn't complain. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Um, and again, just a really emotional scene and, and really good stuff. I agree. Um, then we had Eddie Kingston's video message, which, uh, you know, it's nice to see Eddie Kingston not talking as a heel for once um, and just being Eddie Kingston. Um, and yeah, I mean, you could just tell he's a real genuine dude. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, you can tell that even when he's doing heel promos because he just sounds like a real guy. Exactly. Um, and yeah, again, I didn't really know how close him and Brody were, but apparently they had a very close relationship from years ago. Um, yeah, I feel like all these, ind- I feel like all the indie guys, like the, all the indie darlings are just close to each other, like regardless. Yeah. Because like even pointed out that they were doing bingo halls, you know, together even before WWE. True. Um, so. And I know um, Kingston was big in Chikara and I think Brody was in Chikara mm-hmm. for a bit. So I'm assuming that's probably where they crossed paths. Yeah, it, it is because he posted some of. The, I think he posted one of their matches. There you go. Yeah. Um. So yeah. After this, we had our women's match for the night, and it was Britt Baker and Penelope Ford taking on the team of Anna Jay and Ty Conti. This is. I feel like this is Anna's and Anna. Uh, Anna and Ty's first match together in. I don't even know how you long. Know, in a since since the tournament. Yeah, probably they appeared together like occasionally, but like this is definitely their first. Oh like, yeah, but they never. Yeah, they didn't team. Yeah. yeah. Just like backstage, like segments and stuff. Yeah, they're just hanging out. Yeah, so yeah, this was since the tournament, since the women's uh, tournament. Yeah, um, another really solid match. Um, again, especially for the women's division, which is hit or miss. Um, but I thought this was a really fun tag match. Um, I again, I I, I will still sing the praises of uh, Ty Conti. I thought she's really delivered in her. I mean, she hasn't been with AEW that long. Um, but I thought she's looked really good in pretty much everything she's done on. Dynamite in that tournament, and then on Dark. Um, oh yeah, you can tell that she's not so green anymore. Yeah, so I hope we see more of her. I feel like Anna Jay's really come a long way since um, joining Dark Order earlier in the year. Um, Britt's always really good, and Penelope Penelope Ford is probably like the most underrated girl on the roster. Yeah, um, I agree. I thought her match with Sheeta during the summer was really good, and it's kind of a shame that they don't really get to use her. But commentary did note that she is working on getting a college degree right now, so maybe that's why. Plus, she also is getting um, married to Kip, so. Right. Um. Anyway, uh, Anna and Ty Conti got the win here. Um, Anna won with the Queen Slayer on um, Penelope Ford. And yeah, nice stuff. Uh, Post match again, Anna Jay looked like she was just ready to break down. Um, and so yeah. Uh, after the match, Tony Schiavone comes down to the ring, and uh, he's interviewing Britt Baker. This is the first time we've seen Tony and Britt together in a while as well. <laughs> um, and uh, we're back to Britt Baker calling everything a conspiracy. Uh, she said the match was a conspiracy. Everything is rigged. And then she said uh, the whole thing is kind of a big rig. 
and she winked yep. at the camera, mm-hmm. which was apparently a nickname of Brody Lee. Um, yep. So nice little tribute there. And then uh, before she can continue, Thunder Rosa sprints out from behind her, and they get into a pull apart brawl. And so yeah, I mean, this was the one actual story on the show mainly that actually like got like developed, um, right? And I mean, it made sense. So uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've been going at it, like, you know, I feel like every week now. Yeah, and well, and then after this, we did officially get the announcement that this was uh, getting added to New Year's um, Smash Week 2. Yeah, so okay, really good. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker should be really good. So, um, exciting stuff. Um, and then we got, I believe this was our final video message of the night, and it was from Jericho. And he mentioned how he got to wrestle Brody Lee 27 times. And then he started talking about one of the, the times when they were in Goddamn Saudi Jeddah, show. Saudi Arabia for one of the WWE <laughs> Saudi Arabia shows. And um, he mentioned how uh, there was like an arrow on the <laughs> on the roof of his hotel room. And he asked Brody what it was like, what is this? And he's like, oh, it's the uh, it's the arrow to Mecca. It's like. Yeah, it points to Mecca. Yeah, he's like, "Why would you know this?" He's like, "Why wouldn't you?" And he was just talking about how Brody just had like a he was like intel he ever he was like a big man, um, in wrestling, but like he was like just a smart guy had a bunch of like random trivia was well spoken and everything, um, and that he's gonna yeah, miss him and whatnot. So that is very interesting. I, that's my first time learning about that. Yeah, I, As- I didn't know that there was just arrows <laughs> in hotel rooms, um, but cool. Pointing to Mecca, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, again, Jericho, I think everybody's pointed this out. Uh, Jericho's had to talk about like wrestlers being like dying prematurely way too much. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. Cause he's been around for Eddie, Chris, and now Brody, and he's been close with all three of them. Yeah. Um, so that's gotta and suck. He, yeah. He's had to go on television and yeah, talk about it. Ab- I mean, absolutely. Um, yeah. There, you can still see clips of Jericho going on, like CNN talking about the Benoit incident. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, gotta gotta suck. And you know, as much shit as everybody gives Jericho for like his political beliefs or like his stuff with COVID, yeah, I, I, this is something that like it, it just gotta it has to suck to be Chris Jericho right now dealing with another one of these deaths. Agreed. Um, especially one that's like not a wrestling related like death, where it's just like he had some type of sickness. Um, in his like lungs so yeah um yeah anyway we go to the main event and we have team taz versus the dream team of cody rhodes orange cassidy and preston vance number 10 of the dark order who are apparently Brody lee jr's favorite three wrestlers in AEW. that surely is something <laughs> Preston Vance has to be the most. Maybe he's just or, like. Or likes what did his... Jericho call him? Jericho didn't even know his name. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> what he called him, but yeah, Jericho did not know his actual name. <laughs> um, I don't know if it was just Jericho being like a heel or if he just g- genuinely didn't know what Preston's uh, name was, but. Um... I hope not. <laughs> I mean, you work with the guy. Like. Yeah. I just, I, like, he hasn't wrestled in forever, so I don't know how this guy would be Brody Jr.'s favorite wrestler, unless it's just, like, he likes his look or, like, he's gotten to know him um, and ju- he just, like, likes the guy. Um, yeah, that might be the case, because you, di- you did, like, see, like, his wife, like, hugging uh, Ten. Yeah, no, after absolutely. Not, so he might have gotten really close with the family. 
Yeah. Also worth noting, Alan Angels is the one member of Dark Order who did not wrestle this entire night. He was just sat ringside. He was on babysitting Jr. duty. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but it was nice that he was still there and actually. Yeah, really... I mean that's a, that's an honor. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, to be with you know Brody Lee Jr. Yeah, during this night. Yeah, so. negative one now is, is technically who will eventually probably negative be his one of the Dark Order. Yes. Um. Yeah. Uh. Again, solid main event here. Team Taz. This is the. I feel like this is the first time we've seen all Team Taz wrestling together in like a six man. Um. I could be wrong, but I feel like it definitely is. Yeah, I'd say yeah, so. I don't. Rem- I don't. Rem- I, like again, Cage and Starks have wrestled together. Um. And Hobbs and Starks have wrestled together. I don't know if all three of them right. have wrestled together. No. But as a unit, I feel I really like their look as a unit. Um. They they just like come off as like stars they, they like ricky ricky cage and hobbs all three of them look like they are like superstars um, I agree. and again cage isn't really that great of a talker and will hobbs it remains to be seen but when you put them all together and you have taz there as well it's just like it feels like a super group so yeah i mean you have taz and then you have ricky like dude so they really don't need to be talkers at all. who knows maybe hook is going to be a great talker as well no true we did see him more dude hook like, just looks like a random on, guy they found on reveal the I agree. <laughs> he was just wearing like regular like street clothes. It was just there. It was so. I weird. agree. Um. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, the match starts with uh, Cody Rhodes and Will Hobbs. Um. And then um, Ricky Starks comes in. Then Preston Vance gets in. And then eventually Orange Cassidy gets in after Will Hobbs comes back in. And we get a uh, we get Orange Cassidy and Will Hobbs for a bit where. Orange Cassidy uh, goes to put his hands in his pants while um, Will Hobbs wants to do like a test of strength and eventually just gets shoved down, shoves him so hard his sunglasses fly off his face. Um, and then in picture in picture, this wasn't on the, the full screen, but we did get to see Orange Cassidy doing his patented shitty little kicks to uh, Powerhouse Hobbs. Um, and I don't think it went too, uh, too well over with him because when we come back from break, uh, Hobbs is in full control and then yeah. team Taz just does a series of delayed vertical suplexes, <laughs> orange Cassidy first with Hobbs, then to cage. And then Ricky goes for it and, um, he loses, um, what's his face? Orange Cassidy counters out of it and hits his own like suplex and then, uh, gets Cody Rhodes in for the hot tag. Um, event- and like, again, I don't really have an opinion on Preston Vance. I haven't seen enough of the guy wrestling here. I feel like he held his own mm-hmm. in this main event because um, eventually he tags in uh, for his own hot tag. I, I I didn't see anything that really like caught me as like this is like a fantastic like he has a really good build. Um, I'll say yeah, that like he, he has like good size for him, and I really I mean, like he looks like a professional wrestler. Yeah, and I like his outfit that he has like the white and purple and like the jacket mm-hmm. and everything. So he has the look. I still need to see more of him wrestling. Like, this was one showing, and, like, again, I think he held his own with um, with everybody in this match, but, again, I haven't really seen enough of him as a whole to make right. a judgment call. I mean, yeah, I mean, he doesn't ever wrestle. Yeah, no, unless, like, absolutely. He, like, occasionally wrestles, like, on dark. Yeah, but it's mainly, but in, like, tag matches. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, but, again, I thought he, he held his own in this main event, so... That's fine. Um, eventually, Taz and Arn Anderson both grab chairs <laughs> and go to the uh, the top of the ramp and just start like eyeing each other up as if they're going to start hitting each other. Um, I was here for that. I was I was ready to watch two old men beat each other with chairs. Um, 
I, I agree. I would have been. I would have been. Might as well. You might as well after Jake. You know, Jake the Snake Roberts uh, got physical earlier. That's true. Night. So why not just have Taz and uh, Arn go at it? Agreed. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, Cody hits a crossroads on Ricky Starks, and then Preston Vance follows it up with a spine buster, and he picks up the win. So Preston Vance gets a gets a win in the main Crazy. event of Dynamite. <laughs> What, what yeah. a timeline. Crazy. Um, after the match, all the team Taz gets back in the ring. Um, we get to see, if you were paying attention, Hook hit some suplexes on Orange Cassidy. Yeah. So that's the first time we've seen Hook get physical. And he was like, yeah, he was like, didn't have his hoodie up or anything. He just kind of like, you know, just there. he was all he was out just there. just doing wrestling moves in his street clothes. Yep, that's right. Um, and then the lights go I wonder, out. I wonder if he's like, well, when he walks down the street, he just gives people suplexes. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I hope he just goes up to random people on the streets like, here's an Explorer suplex. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> the lights go out and Darby Allen's music hits. He comes out the side door where Moxley always enters and then he stops and the lights go out again and they come back on and the snow is falling as Sting's music turns on and Sting comes out the same door and so we see Darby Allen and Sting together for the first time. And they come down to the ring, and they you have this weird group of Orange Cassidy, Cody Rhodes, Arn Anderson, Sting, Darby <laughs> Allen, and Preston Vance of the Dark Order. I think honestly, the Preston Vance is is really, truly, unfortunately, the outcast in that. <laughs> like it just looks like it was gearing up for like a big like four, like four on four or five on five or and, I don't know like, people there were. Yeah, and then but Preston and Vance like, is there. Ten yeah. is there. <laughs> Yeah. So maybe this is just the start of uh, you know Preston Vance push. Yeah, I mean commentary yeah. was really hyping Preston Vance up the entire time. So despite Jericho yeah. not knowing his name, um, and so yeah, and then we went to break for one final time with like ten minutes left in the show, and then when we came back, it was just Cody in the ring, um, and he was having trouble like speaking. You can tell he was just like very emotional. Um, yeah. Said he was looking for like a quote. Um, to sum things up, and um, it was uh, basically what he said was, "You can ju- uh, blah, you can judge a man's character by how he treats somebody that can do him no good." I don't remember who he was quoting, um, unfortunately. Um, and he, he basically mentions how people from every company had only good stories to talk about Brody with uh, having a positive effect on their lives and careers. Um, no matter the locker room. And in short, Brody Lee was a beautiful man. Um, and then he brings out Brody Lee Jr., who comes out to Brody Lee's theme song with um, with his, his mom and Tony Khan. And yeah. um, his wife comes out holding a pair of his boots. And, uh, oh, and Preston comes back out too. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and there's also, I think there was a bandana as well. Um, or like the handkerchief from, uh, from yeah. like the Luke Harper run, um, and they put him in the ring, and they uh, they just get to pose there for a bit while the just like the spotlights there, and Brody Junior is just standing there next to his dad's boots. Really, just a, a nice sight to see. Also, just heartbreaking. Um, and then Tony Khan gets on the mic. This is again Tony Khan very rarely appears on AW, but like it was nice to see him just being a person tonight. And again, you could tell how much it, like he was struggling to talk. He was like all over the place here. Um, but he gets on the mic and tells Brody Jr. that his father was the greatest TNT champion they've ever had. Um, no offense to Cody, 
and he presents him with the I'm assuming I don't know if the, I don't think this is the real TNT championship I'm assuming this was like a replica or this was the one that they gave to Brody um, but he said that this is um, that Brody Jr. is the TNT champion for life and um, well Pat Brody puts it on his I shoulders do some, I do have some breaking news oh yeah go for it and I believe that is the real title because according to Tony Schiavone on the AEW post show a new TNT TNT title is currently in the works. There will be a new design for the championship, and the old design will be retired in honor of Brody. Oh, so it looks like they looks like they're gonna give him that, and then they'll just have probably they'll probably just have like Darby Allen. I mean, Darby Allen's just been walking around with out the title anyways. Like he's been just having a skateboard and stuff. Or they they probably just have like a replica. They'll just give like a re- like a replica for the time being for. Uh, Darby, Darby yeah. Allen until the new thing. So uh, that's exciting. I really want to wonder. It's going to be in like I think it's going to be uh, in his honor. The new the new title. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. So, that is cool. Um, yes. Wonder what it's going to look like. I'm interested as well. Uh, it's just crazy because the title just came out. It's, this is going to be his third redesign. That's true. <laughs> Insane. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, so then they um. Cody puts the the TNT title on um, Brody Lee Jr.'s shoulders, and then Tony Khan says thanks to everybody for being here, and he said that they have a tribute um, ready for Brody Lee, and that's the way that they wanted to end the show. So, different to what you're used to for like WWE, where they typically um, when they do a tribute video for somebody passing, normally it's at the beginning of the show. This time for for AEW, they did it at the end. Um, yes, yeah, was great. Which and the video was really good. Um, it showed. Um, there was like it started with Brody Lee's intro promo to AEW when he was revealed as the exalted one, and it to yeah. cut to clips of his whole AEW career. They had some footage from like his very early wrestling career in like the early 2000s, yeah. Um, and then the big reveals there with like the pictures of him with like Bray Wyatt, him and um, Rowan holding the SmackDown tag titles. Um, yeah, if, you, if, if you're if you've been on social media for like it was basically a lot of pictures you've already seen on social media if you were checking it out. Yeah, so I think yeah. they just like you know they just had the guys like he was close with like submit pictures to that to AEW. Agreed. Um, obviously, you know, Vince would have had to okay it because, you know, we saw Bray Wyatt, we saw Big E. Big E, Seth Rollins, Becky Lynch. Um, exactly. <laughs> again, again, the WWE SmackDown tag titles appeared in this, so. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it just showed you the career that this guy had. Um, you know, obviously he's, when he was in WWE, he's regarded as like one of the most underrated guys on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he got his release and it was, it was nice to see, um, this year, I think Jericho said it during the show that despite him only being around for six months or so in AEW, he he proved to everybody that he was he was a main he, like, he was worthy of being a main event player rather than just being like a guy. Um, and yeah, so yeah. Uh, and that was the celebration of life of Brody Lee. Um, it's not really worth giving it a thumbs up or thumbs down. Again, it was a very emotional show, um, yeah. but it, I thought they knocked it out of the park. Um, they did. Uh, I've. It just it, again. It was. It sucks that this is the way the 2020 has to end for wrestling and for AEW, um, and for obviously Brody Lee's family because that has to suck with like him passing away right at the holidays. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the day after Christmas. Yeah. Um, but I thought again for what it was worth, I thought AEW did a phenomenal job tonight, and you see just the outpouring of like love and support for Brody Lee's family. With wrestlers um, like Mick Foley and CM Punk donating 
all of their merch money from pro wrestling tees for the next month of the family pro wrestling tees yeah. giving all the profits for Brody Lee's merch to his family, numerous different like tribute shirts going up for him. Um, AW put out a new one tonight. Um, all of which are just straight going right to the family. Um, and then like you had the news, um, of AW offering, um, or basically giving Brody Lee Jr. a contract. So it, when he turns 18, if he wants to become a wrestler, they'll instantly sign him. Yeah, um, that's amazing. So, yeah. The, and, like again, it just seems like AEW and just wrestling as a whole is ready to take care of this family who lost Brody Lee. Right. Um, which you'll, which you'll love great. to see. It's, it's good to see wrestling yeah. come together for this. Right. I agree. And so, yeah. Um, hopefully, the next time we're on a podcast, it's not as uh, emotional. Um, of a subject but you know um, yeah I'm glad we got to you know talk about Brody Lee and just uh, this whole show was again just a pure celebration for him and his legacy for what he did in such a short time in AEW and then yeah honoring his whole career so um, yeah I agree and and like a tweet that I saw um, that stated uh, Brody Lee left this world with no enemies and honestly all these stories I definitely believe that uh, how loved he was and by like his peers and his family and his friends. It's insane. Yeah. Um, agreed again. Like nobody, you, you haven't heard a single negative thing about this guy. Um, no. So y- you love to see it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I think that's going to do it for this AEW um, podcast. Thanks for listening. If you did, if you didn't, then you're not hearing this anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Um, if you don't, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, be sure to. We're on a bunch of different platforms, so you'll get our content whenever. Um, and just an update on our upcoming schedule: in the next couple of days, our um, best of, worst of, year in review, whatever you want to call it, year in special. The podcast will be going up. Still don't have a time, but it'll be going up eventually. Um, and then the other stuff we got coming up: um, uh, Saturday or Sunday, we haven't decided yet. We're doing our Wrestle Kingdoms prediction podcast. Um, and then we'll obviously have reviews for Wrestle Kingdom Night 1 and 2 and probably also for New Year's Dash. And then that same Wednesday, we next week is going to be really busy for us because um, – so let me go through this one more time. Sorry. Saturday or Sunday we're doing right. Wrestle Kingdom predictions. Then Monday and Tuesday we'll have reviews for Wrestle Kingdom's Nights 1 and 2. Tuesday we'll also have um, – Ryan and Angel's Impact Power Hour returning for the first Impact episode of the new year. And then Wednesday, we'll have New Year's Dash coverage, probably, as well as our AEW review from me and Joey. So uh, mm-hmm. quite a number of podcasts coming up. Um, so I might just push back the the year-end special a little bit more um, till after that, because that's going to be like five or six podcasts all in a row. Yeah. Yeah, you guys will get it though eventually. Yeah, it's recorded, it's done. It's just a matter of actually getting it um, edited and uploaded. So, um, but yeah, so that's our schedule for the next coming um, week. So look forward to that. But that's going to do it for us. Um, so you'll hear from me, Roy, me, Joey, and Ryan this weekend uh, for our New Japan predictions for Wrestle Kingdom. Maybe Rob will make an appearance. Who knows? Um, uh-huh. And yeah. Uh, hey, maybe even Angelo or Sam or something. Who knows? Maybe we'll get Jake to do a Wrestle Kingdom prediction video despite um, or podcast. Honestly, we should. We should ask him. He'd probably be down. <laughs> You're probably not wrong. Um, but yeah, so thanks for listening. We appreciate it. We will talk to you guys next time. And as always, again, thanks for listening.